You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to this week's edition of Yarra Bonsker Users Group Radio for Monday the 25th of October 2021. My name's Chris and Yarra Bonsker Users Group Radio We're a show about bicycles, urban transport, uh, micro-mobility and sustainable transport. We're proud to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which we transmit people-powered radio. listening to the background music you might notice that that is indeed the Wiggles and yes Emma Wiggle has decided to move on to something else and continue her career elsewhere and uh, that uh, is just a small homage to some of the great bicycle stuff that actually the Wiggles have done. On today's show I'm going to be chatting to Michael also known as Cargo Bike Dad about his introduction to cycling getting into um, having a cargo bike and his journey finding out ways of getting around other than the car and if you've been uh, across all the news that's been happening in this city uh, in this state that we are coming out finally of COVID-19 lockdown with the vaccination rates really skyrocketing I'm so proud that people are getting out there and doing the right thing and uh, people making plans for social rides bug rides club rides Victoria Victorified the Mallee Blast and just simply getting out on the rail trails wherever you like to ride and going seeing your family and friends and a whole bunch of things that we haven't been able to do for so long up next is interview with Michael Cargo Bike Dad. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855am. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. Michael Hossen, go by the screen name of Cargo Bike Dad on Instagram and Facebook. I'm a 30-year-old guy from Melbourne who rides his cargo bike around with his daughter and sometimes his wife. Uh, and I'm really passionate about, you know, getting people onto bikes for more than just exercise, but for utility reasons. So that's what I do, and that's that's what I love talking to people about. How did you kind of come to this thing of, well, you know, you're not getting around by car, obviously. So how did this process unfold? Uh, I think the pandemic probably set it off a little bit. You know, we're, we're big public transport users normally. We don't have a car. We usually walk everywhere. And then kind of the pandemic uh, took hold and 
uh, we didn't, well, obviously we weren't going many places, but I've always been interested in bikes. I used to ride a lot, you know, sort of road bike for exercise many years ago uh, and then kind of got out of it, you know, got married and got a bit fat, <laughs> which I'm yet to escape from. So I've always been interested in, in kind of riding bikes and I don't like calling myself a cyclist just because I feel like there's a stigma attached to it. We were interested in it and I said to my wife, you know, want a, want a better way to get around, don't want to rent a car all the time if I just want to do a quick trip somewhere. Uh, and we have a kid, so what kind of better uh, machine than a, a bicycle that can carry people and things to get around Melbourne? And, and with, with the way the city's going and the, um, I guess, ever-improving infrastructure, kind of just made sense. And also, I'm, I'm an urban planner by training, so I guess I understand that, you know, we all have to do our part when it comes to mobility in cities. I guess, I think, like I say on my, my Facebook and my Instagram, I like to practice what I preach. Hmm. So with the... Uh you know, the current the situation we've had for two years, almost you know, ongoing in right across the world. What have you seen which has lent you towards riding? And, 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 and also, there's, there's also a, still a barrier with cargo bikes is the price. Just kind of interested in your thoughts on that sort of thing. People ask me how much my bike costs, and it was many thousands of dollars. Often, you know, they go wide-eyed and kind of think, oh, you could have bought a car. They say you could have bought a car for that price. I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, it kind of made that decision on purpose. I didn't accidentally buy a bike. I think I think people need to see how you can use a bike, you know, a cargo bike, a utility bike, a family bike, whatever you want to call it. They need to see how you can use it before they can really make a determination on the price and its value. Because you're right, they're they expensive. You know, you can spend upwards of more, more than $10,000 on a, on a bicycle uh, for, for carrying various things. And lots of people do. But you can also kind of start out at a, a cheaper level, depending on if you get a, a motorized one and the, the level of motor and all, all of these different aspects. But for me, it was a, comparing to a buying a car, right? You buy a car, you pay rego, you pay stamp duty, you pay all the different kind of costs that go along with it. And they're continuing. A bike, you know, my bike costs me about 20 cents to charge. I can do over 100 Ks on a charge, a few hundred dollars a year maintenance, if that. Uh, and so for us, it was kind of a no-brainer. I was renting cars through one of the car shares in the past and spending, I don't know, sometimes two, $300 a month. So for us, it was just, yeah, it really is a no-brainer. i just got to ask you, what sort of cargo bike have you got? Uh, I have a Turn GSD. So it's there's a, there's a couple of, for the listeners, there's a couple of kinds of cargo bikes you'll see out there. There's the kind of traditional buck feats, which is the, the Dutch uh, front loader bike that you, you might see. It kind of looks like a wheelbarrow with a bike attached to it. Then you have the kind of style that mine is, which is a, they call it a long tail or a mid tail. It's basically a, a regular two-wheeled bicycle that's extended towards the back. For the GSD, it has smaller wheels, low center of gravity. And so you get uh, a longer kind of bed at the back of the bike to either, and a rack to either child seats or cargo panniers, that kind of thing. Mm. And I've got to ask too, uh, you know, being a bicycle owner, uh, what do you do about security? You've got to spend good money on locks, I think. Initially, I, I live in an apartment. Initially, I stored it inside my apartment until my wife had, had, had <laughs> stopped putting up with it, which I think is fair enough. It was very convenient. We stored it in the uh, garage in the, in the building. It's locked to multiple fixed objects uh, with multiple chains and D-locks that would require, you know, an angle grinder. 
uh, at least. So you just got to spend, uh, I guess, you know, a few hundred dollars on some good locks. And if you want to get insurance on it, it's still cheaper than getting insurance on a car. So I think I think it's worth worthwhile looking at those options. And I think the most of the retailers have kind of affiliations with uh, various insurers as well. So, you know, they can have a look at your existing insurance and see what is possible. The ninth Koori Art Show is calling for entries. This is your chance to showcase your work. All works entered will be exhibited at the Koori Heritage Trust. To enter, you must be a Victorian-based Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander artist aged 17 years and older. There is a total prize pool of $32,000. Go online to kuriheritagetrust.com.au to register. Entries close on the 1st of November. Koori Heritage Trust is a 3CR supporter. do open up you know possibilities but we still have that price point and it's still seen as well it, at the moment it, it's an option for people who've got the time and the resources to go and get a cargo bike i'm really interested in it broadening it out when um, we got interested in stuff like that years ago we got what we would call a long tail and just got the extra cycle bolt on you can put on the back of a standard yeah. safety frame cargo bikes have evolved so much more in the last, what, 10, 15 years. Absolutely. And I think this is something where we're seeing all this action and stuff around EVs. We should be seeing the same sort of thing around e-bikes because they don't interfere as much, I could say. I mean, I've seen stuff from the UK and overseas where people are putting their charging cables over existing footpaths and things like that. E-bikes do nothing like that. They don't impinge as much. Or as oh, all, absolutely. At all. And I think it's something that's gone missing with discussions with, you know, again, with the lead up now to Glasgow of what people can actually do. And I had this discussion similar with uh, um, Paris Lord a couple of months ago of if, again, what we we're just discussing, percentage wise and cost wise and, and your running costs, 10 to 15% of that of a conventional car. And it's where the authorities, you know, like you, uh, could uh, take a bit of a lead on this, or even private organise, you know, private businesses with a, a public consciousness towards what we've got to do with climate mm. change. There's a lot here that could be broadened out. Absolutely, I think from a public policy perspective, there is so much more room for things to change from the local government all the way up to the federal government level. There's all this talk of incentivising, uh, you know, EV and. You're right. I mean, at the end of the day, an EV is still a car on the road, right? It's still a heavy vehicle, you know, a one, two, three ton vehicle to carry your week's shopping. When you can do that, realistically, a lot of people do that on a bicycle. Uh, and your point about stringing the cable, I've, see, I've seen a lot of pictures 
around that. They seem to, people that do that seem to think they're being really smart, but really does, or it really calls to attention how much impact cars have on the built environment. I just think when we had a pram, a young baby, or someone in a wheelchair had to try and get around a cable, it's just, yeah, so much infrastructure needs to go in to make them work. Whereas, yeah, a bike, you know, take the battery off, plug it into the, the normal PowerPoint at home, and a few hours later, it's charged up, chuck the battery back on, off I go for another 100Ks. Just seems to be missing somewhere in the conversation with, you know, state, federal, local things. Because, again, if you're listening to the thing with Paris Lord in... Uh, Canberra, they have like a, uh, the Canberra cargo bike thing where you have a lending library. Why isn't this kicked off in Sydney or Melbourne yeah. <laughs> or anywhere else? Because yeah. it's just, yeah, I've heard of, you probably might have heard of this in Hobart where they, a local co-op imported a whole bunch of, I think, first generation EVs to Hobart for people who wanted to get into having the electric vehicle. Japan has its export market and, you know, relatively new cars. Why isn't this happening with e-bikes? Because they do have a really good resale value and we could chime off into that because the technology doesn't really change that much and it's you don't get the depreciation you do with a car there's a lot of really good technical discussions and as you say policy point sort of stuff could be being done it's disappointing that you know you you, you Mm. kind of feels like a private enterprise would need to do this it seems to me that it would make so much sense for government organizations to for me right like my my platform, it's not a big platform, but my platform is to show people what you can do with a bike. Not it's not the guy on Lycra on the weekend. It's this is a practical everyday person using it just to get around. It's pretty safe. It's getting much safer with with kind of separated bike infrastructure. And wow, look look at the kind of the limit the limit of the impact versus a car. Uh, so I think you're absolutely on the money. I'd love to see beyond a commercial venture, some sort of community thing that, that you know, people can just have a go um, at, a, at a bike. I know I know Turn Australia, that's the company that makes my bike, were doing a kind of one-week trial at some point. I, I think you might have spoken to Jürgen from Dutch yeah, Cargo Bike in the past. So they're, they're the distributor for Turn in Australia, and they have in the past done a, a one-week trial where they'll, they'll bring the bike to you or you go pick it up, you ride it for a week and see how it kind of fits into your life. Mm. I think that's excellent. I think they have the ability to do that as a private business, but I think not every business can do that. You can't expect people to be giving out five, six, seven thousand dollar bikes to someone and in the hope that it just kind of shows back up. So yeah, it's perfect opportunity for local governments to to kind of show people and get them to have a, a chance at integrating one of these things into their lives so they actually can have their eyes opened to how good, how positively impactful it can be on their day-to-day lives. Boobap Jazz. The Milky Way looks good in the night skies. The stars open a short from my dark eyes. Hey, I'm Lady Lash. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, the voice of the set. 3CR is so awesome, giving the platform for people's voices to be heard and people's gifts to be heard. And always remember that you are amazing. I'm dreaming of the seven moons. Oh, I see what's new. The thing I find quite astonishing, again, is that kind of gap. And also, as everyone would know, if you ride a bike for whatever uses, during COVID, it was so goddamn hard to either get servicing or parts and 
having that kind of thing being, well, for want of a better expression, orpused by a larger organisation, if you're interested, or, you know, again, with cargo bikes and e-bikes, of having a clear entry point where you can work out what needs to be done to make the transition to not having a petrol-powered car. Yeah. There's a huge thing here that is missing. And again, it just comes down to that the only solution that seems to be at the moment, other than what's in the ACT, is uh, it's got to be a private business that does it. And we don't have a lot of time to make this transition and make it smooth and easy for people because again we we can uh, talk about the merits of e-bikes till you know for a long time but for a lot of people it's a mystery it's um, expensive and yep. yep and we've got to we've got to break open these conversations yeah and for, for a lot of people it feel and until they've experienced it it almost mm. feels like an attack on their way of life i think people get really they feel like you're really getting up them if you kind of encourage them into a bike but i i, I do think that if people experience it and they can see how it can Im, Im, uh, be implemented into their life it's mm-hmm. a it's a much better way to get them to understand and to perhaps you know get them onto a bike more often and out of their car well let's talk about examples what's some of the things you've done michael that you have just like this is what i do on a daily basis or what i do to people may think that is too much of an impediment without a car the the main thing we do in the pre-COVID times is school drop-off or kinder drop-off. We get in the bike, we kind of roll down the street, it's a five-minute bike ride. It's definitely a longer drive just because there's so much car traffic in the morning. So, and you know, we, we roll up to the front door and we can bring the bike inside to keep it safe. It's just, it's easy, it's fun. Uh, you know, my daughter and I love it. We, we kind of, we sing songs and we just do silly stuff on the bike. <laughs> that's the first thing for us that's, that's made a big positive change in our lives. The other thing is, you know, you do a bigger grocery run or perhaps you're not getting a delivery or whatever it is, you can fit a lot on or in a cargo bike. Uh, and it's all, it all kind of comes down to the accessories, right? And they all have different levels of accessories that you can get and different panniers. And I've got these sealed up panniers on the back of mine that makes it basically a, like a boot of a car. You just chuck hundreds of litres of stuff in there. And then, you know, going to Bunnings, you can pick up you can pick up a half sheet of plywood if you wanted. It's just, it all comes down to how creative and how, I guess, brave you want to be to try it out. Yeah, and it shouldn't have to be brave, though, really. It should be just something that you do. And this is... Oh, yeah. I know, it's why, why we, with this show, keep on having these conversations of trying to provide a thing where these discussions and people's actions can be much, much easier. And I don't mean to be insulting to anyone, but I'm kind of tired of the whole avid cyclist thing. It should be just something that you do and how we can we break this open. So when you're parking your cargo bike, uh, do you use um, you know, your Sheffield loops or you take up a car parking spot? How do you find manoeuvring this around you know, shopping centres and shopping strips? The beauty of the GSD, and this, the reason I chose it, is because we live in an apartment. Yep. It's no longer than a you know a regular kind of adult-sized mountain bike or road bike, because it has small 20-inch wheels. So for me, I, I I'm happily lock it up you know outside outside the shopping center. There's no need to take up a car parking space with yeah. it. I mean, you can store it vertically. There's just lots of options. It's it's not hard. It's never been an issue. Sometimes if I rock up to the post office, you know, they, they have a little foyer areas. I can just roll it inside, put the cafe lock on, 
uh, which is a very European thing. You just lock the front wheel, it's in sight, walk in, grab what I need, walk back out, ride straight off. So there's none of that searching for a car park, trying to, you know, then you lock the car. There's none of that stuff. It's just, it's like the ultimate convenience. Step up and get the jab to step out for all things fab. For random chances, dances and cheeky glances. For rainbow communities, sports, arts and families. Because every step we take from here will bring our communities closer to stepping out. Victoria's LGBTIQ plus community organisations are behind you and are here to help. So let's step up, get vaxxed and step out. To find a rainbow friendly clinic near you, visit coronavirus.vic.gov.au forward slash LGBTIQ. Authorised by the Victorian Government, Melbourne. A 3CR supporter. And when you were starting off, how did you find out information or research what you needed? You had to think about, I need three things this thing needs to do and where it's parked and when it's not in use and running costs. Did did you find any resources out there when when you were going through all this or you just go through like the distributor models and stuff like that? I'm, I'm the kind of person that will read every last bit of information possible on a, t- on a topic that I'm interested in. Uh, so every possible website that kind of talked about cargo bikes and family bikes, but also YouTube is is huge for this stuff. Every kind of bike manufacturer, every big bike shop, especially in the US, they have a big presence on YouTube where they'll uh, kind of talk through different bikes. There's a, there's a really great channel on YouTube uh, from a company in New York called Propel Bikes. And they make amazing videos on pretty much every kind of cargo bike you can get your hands on. And, and so does Dutch Cargo Bike here and, and as do the other kind of bike distributors. And Facebook groups, there's lots of cargo bike Facebook groups. We have one in Melbourne that I've started called Melbourne Cargo Bikes. Uh, so if anyone's interested and has questions, for myself ah, or the yep. couple hundred other members, yeah, jump on the Facebook group, Melbourne Cargo Bikes. And you know, everyone's really happy to answer questions. In the normal times, we do cargo bike meetups cargo bike picnics uh, as they, as we call them where everyone just rocks up on their bike we all have a chat invite people to have a have a go at our bikes and you know people show up and go what are these things what, what i've never seen one of these give them a go you know we, we, I'm, I'm always happy to let people have a try i think that's a good way to get people into it as well you've got instagram and twitter that you do yeah so cargo bike underscore dad someone else took the the cargo bike dad without the underscore but um yeah instagram twitter and facebook i'm on all three i'm mostly posting my photos and and kind of show people how i use the bike on instagram get people to get an idea of the things you can do day to day twitter i use it more of an more as an advocacy platform as you probably know you know there's a lot of work that needs to be done with politicians and other organizations and i think having a vocal people who really are passionate about things is, is very important. I think there's some big opportunities here for meeting groups and inviting people along to the couple of your events. And, and as we're opening up, hopefully, I think there's got there's got to be more opportunities for people to easily access this information about cargo bikes, oh, bikes, all the rest of it. Because again, with cargo bikes, people get put off by what you're saying. You've got a term which is a smaller thing, but you know, if someone sees you like some of these, you know, the cargo bike trucks and some of the stuff that DHL do overseas <laughs> and uh, they go I can't possibly do that and then you've got to have a chat to them about you know your drivetrain and motorized stuff and and they're really what we've got to be looking at is an easier entry point for people and, absolutely yeah, and it's, yeah. it's hard you know I, I mean I, there's only so many kind of weekend meetups that I can do you, yeah so it, it absolutely needs some sort of organization 
hopefully government run that has funding to be able to do this kind of stuff you cannot rely on everyday people to to do this consistently and we need the change to happen like you said we need the change to happen pretty quickly and uh, melbourne's not a bad place once uh, you know you will notice in the last you know two years 18 months when there's not a lot of cars on the road it's and that's a joy, joy to ride around. And unfortunately, part of the issue of opening up is people will be avoiding PT and they will be driving more. And this is where the state government's uh, push for putting in a separated infrastructure will be even more needed. And we have got to stay strong and support those initiatives where they've been put in, especially like you know, the third part um, of the pop-up bike lanes. It looks like it's going into Footscray. Also, I was looking at the Arden Structure Plan. I think there was four or five uh, strategic cycling corridors in there. It's great. I mean, this is a hell of a switch from, or change, I should say, from what state governments used to do about cycling. What we've got to do is not actually fight for it. We've got to support it, and we want even more <laughs> because yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I think... it's a mass option. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think mm. what what's happening is great, but the pressure has to stay on. Yeah, right. We've got to we've got to keep the pressure on because as soon as the pressure's off, other things take priority. I, you know, government's hard. I'm not gonna. It's, we're not no no illusions here. So we've just got to keep the pressure on. And the more people that we can get on bikes, the more people that we can get into these separated lanes to to try them out to see how great they are, to see the positive impacts on the city and the suburbs. Oh, yeah. I think the better. And, you know, basically having that positive reinforcement of, again, where you were saying people feel a bit threatened by something a bit different, it's, you know, dissolving those fears and saying this is an opportunity and it's great for everybody. The biggest thing for people to do is to to seek out either a a retail store where you can try one of these out or find a friend that has one, see how it can fit into your life. Uh, until you can get to that point, it is a difficult decision to make. It seems like a costly, almost toy, but, it, but when you can try one and, and see how it fits into your life, and it may not fit into your life, that's okay as well, right? Until you can get to that point, I think we're kind of stuck. <laughs> so, you know, I'll keep doing my stuff, my advocacy, other people, you know, you all doing that as well. Um, I think, you know, that's that's the best that we can do and hopefully the government will step in or some uh, non-government organisations will, will pop up and, and help keep the push going. Yeah, because we've got that happening in the ACT and I think uh, if anyone's listening to this from um, any top levels of government, have a look what's happening in the ACT with the um, electric bike lending library. It's a really good model and it's something that we all can learn from. change we need to show broad community support. Show your support for walking and cycling in the city of Yarra by appearing as a champion on the Streets Alive website, representing your local street, neighbourhood or school. It's fast, free and simple. Learn more at streets-alive-yarra.org. A 3CR supporter. This week's Yarra Bicycle User Group radio program should be podcast 
soon on 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast or go to yarrabug.org forward slash radio if you want to find additional details of what we discussed today. These podcasts are produced at Melbourne's activist radio station 3CR. Presenters are all volunteers and 3CR's existence depends upon the financial support of our listeners. Go to 3cr.org.au, click on the support tab and select either donate, subscribe, shop or fundraisers. Your subscription or donation keeps 3CR on air. CR would like to thank our Yarrabug program sponsor, Backrose Second Chance Cycles, for their financial support. Second Chance Cycles is a fantastic community workshop that recycles bikes, trains people in bike mechanics and sells bikes to the local community. If you have a healthcare card, they'll give you a bike free of charge. To find out more, search for Vacro online or drop into the underground car park, Harmsworth Street, Collingwood, any Thursday or Friday. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.